You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Hello, this is the Journey Till Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Zanotti. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination, to find the journey in every step of the road. The highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs, it's in that, it's in those moments that makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of his own. Brandon Steiner is a best-selling author, speaker, media personality. Please welcome Brandon to the show. Brandon, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. How you doing? And uh, I love the purpose of your podcast. And I think you couldn't have touched on a more important subject matter, which is purpose, passion, and not getting too caught up in the results. The process is everything. And I'm sure you've heard many people come on your show and talk about process being everything, but it's true. So I'm double downing on that. Thank you so much. That's why I have you here. That is what this podcast is all about. It's really about that, about the journey, about the pivot. I think so many people need to understand that it is it's it's in the process that um, that's what it, that's where the magic is, and that's what I want to talk to you about is your magic and your process. Um, I want to dive into talking about your books uh, at the beginning here. Um, I know your first book, The Business Playbook, Leadership Lessons from the World of Sports. And then your second book was is called You Gotta Have Balls, How a Kid from Brooklyn Started from Scratch, uh, bought Yankee Stadium and created a sports empire. Um, you Can you kind of take us into the mindset um, of you, your mindset as you wrote book one, book two? And book three, Living on Purpose. Yes. Uh, Faith, Fitness. I was getting but there. <laughs> what's funny is, first of all, I'm half illiterate. I'm not a big reader, uh, although I do read through a lot of books. And I have quite a library of every inspirational sports book, business book. But I, I have a hard time with my OCD issues to sit down and read a whole book, mm-hmm. which most people that have ADHD and OCD generally don't read entire books. Yeah. If you're out there listening you agree, please chime in. But, <laughs> you know, what's funny is like the first book, the business playbook, when I realized that I'd gotten some incredible lessons from my mom mm-hmm. and another uh, mentor of mine, Alice Jackson, who was a hat maker from Philly. Uh, six foot six black man that could pick me up literally by the top of my head and throw me away, like throw me a hundred yards, no problem. Mm-hmm. He was like a dad to me and he taught me, I mean, just invaluable lessons about life. I just was fortunate to stumble upon him when I was a teenager and I spent every summer with him through the end of college and he kind of guided me to a lot of success along with my mom. You know, my dad died when I was 11, so he really played a vital role and gave me a lot of direction about things that I should be doing uh, in my in my future, um, you know, as far as growing up and the things I need to do in order to be successful. The business playbook is interesting because when I got out of school, I had been working since I'm 10 years old. And, you know, I'd worked, I mean, work, work. I'm not talking about, you know, sweeping up some floors. I've been working, you know, a good 20, 30, 40 hours a week all the way through high school. And, you know, in college, I work, you know, almost full time. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is I get out of school and I can't get a job. Mm-hmm. Like 250 mm-hmm. interviews, nothing. And, I, and so you imagine, and I always had the vision I was going to have a company one day or multiple companies. So I, when I, as I'm in this struggle, yeah, I'm like, one day when I figure this out, mm-hmm. I got to write a book about how you get started because mm-hmm. I think I'm late. Even though I started at 10, I, mean, I have kids. Yeah. Imagine you're a 10-year-old getting up in the morning, going to work on his own, 
collecting his money on his own. I can't even get my 10 year old to get dressed, to eat breakfast this morning. Yeah. But so, you know, I write this book, the business playbook. And what's funny about that book now is that I'm 61 and I'm kind of, I restarted my new business, collectible exchange and athlete direct two new companies, brand new after 30 something years, having built Steiner sports, no more. And I'm literally going back to the business playbook, which is all the stuff that you do when you want to get started. If you read the business playbook, you say, you know something, I don't, you know, you read a lot of these business books and sometimes it's so hard. You agree with what you're reading, but it's hard to put it in play. Everything in this book you can put in play. And starting in high school, like I tell kids all the time, like you're, you're a kid, enjoy being a kid, but you can still put it in play. You can still work on success. As a matter of fact, it's going to be double, the, you get double credit when you start working on success when you're a young teenager because most other kids are not. So you got to make that decision. And that's where the business playbook comes in. And what happened in the business playbook is I had all these great interviews with all these great players and the editor made me take a lot of it out. Um, and they wanted, he wanted bigger name athletes. So I had to kind of redo the book a little bit. And when you got to have balls came out, which is my mother's favorite line, by the way, mm -hmm. my mother was like, be relentless, be fearless. Yes. Don't accept the status quo. You mm -hmm. got to have balls. You go in, you do it the right way and you do it so you can't possibly have any more room to breathe. And that was my mother's line since I was like you know, seven years old. And on the balls book, I wanted to talk about like my mother's stories. You know, I want to talk about the personal stories, the hardships, the really good common sense lessons that I learned from my mom that I literally made millions of dollars off of. When I see my mother up in heaven, she's going to say, love you, proud of you. Where's my cut? What you stole and used, I cannot believe. It wasn't even exactly what I meant to say, what I exactly told you, but you manipulated it in a way that you did so well, and I deserve a part of your success, and I want to cut. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. So um, tell me about that. What do you, So do you feel um, – is it – do you feel like you're carrying on a bit of your mom, of her memory as you're telling these stories? Or um, do you feel like this is just what it is? This is you, what, what you we all choose. You know, we all choose whether we want to be smart. But, you know, listen, there's nobody more important in your life than your mom. And there's nobody probably smarter either than you're going to meet than your mom is going to look out for you better than your mom. I happen to have a really smart, savvy businesswoman as a mom. You know, back in the 60s, that wasn't like you saw every one of those every now and then. You know, women were housewives, nurses, secretaries. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of about it. Maybe you were a stewardess, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or a sir or waiter. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my mother was running businesses, auto parts, travel agency. You know, she was definitely not in any way thinking about, you know, as far as what a man could do or what a woman could do. My mother did whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted. And that was the story there. Um, so, you know, when I think about the lessons I learned from my mom, you know, we were, she was a single parent, three sons, no support from my husband. Like, you know, we had to really grind out and think of a lot of really incredible things to stay alive and survive. You know, we're on food stamps, welfare. So we had a very tight business relationship with my mother and I because my mother was working and I had to kind of run things a little bit. Then eventually I woke up one day, I'm like, I got to go to work. Fortunately, that was when I was 10. So it was a little bit difficult. I don't recommend having your 10-year-old go out to the streets and work, but it's a situation that, that was presented. 
I feel like was a disadvantage then, but it's a tremendous advantage now. Absolutely. I never wake up in the morning and think about how I'm going to make some money. I never wake up. I mean, I, that's all I know since the beginning of time is how to make money. So, you know, making money is easy. Um, figuring out, you know, figuring out how to be happy, how to have more purpose than just filling your pockets, you know, how to be a good person, how to be a great husband, how to be a good dad, how to be a good friend is challenging, especially when you're so committed to the process of being extraordinary. I never wanted to be successful, never had any interest in it. I wanted to be the best, the best of whatever I decided I wanted to do. And when you do do that, the concentration and consumption of what you need to take in is real. I mean, it's serious. So you have to be careful because the other pillars in life to be successful are important. Health, being a good dad, being a good husband, like all those things matter. So all of a sudden, if you're not paying attention to those other pillars, you end up being really wealthy one day with an empty closet. And most people don't really, nobody even cares about you. So that's the trick is, you know, can you put the same kind of energy and time into that you do to become successful in the money grab or in the money making process or the business you love and cherish? Can you put that same kind of time into learning how to be healthy? I ask people all the time, it's like, you're a really successful lawyer. You get a thousand dollars an hour. Well, I've went to law school, graduate top of my class in, in undergrad. Uh, I've gone to symposiums. I'm constantly doing law review. I'm writing papers. I said, let me ask you something. Sounds like you put in thousands of hours to be the great lawyer you are. How many hours have you put in critiquing your parenting? How many hours have you come to learn to be more intimate and be a better husband? How many hours have you put in to really learn about how your body works and your health? And usually there's a huge drop off to that answer. So how successful are you? Mm. And, you know, and that's really the game is like, can you go have the ability to be a goat and at the same time enjoy the, the, what that brings you, which is the other doors that can open, the empowerment and the help that you can give others. Like, I, I just think there's only two reasons why we're here. You know, one is to help others. And that's what people don't realize, like all the struggles that we have are not, th that's life. Life is tough. Like you're going to have a lot of struggles. What makes humans different is that we're put here to help each other. Yes. Solve these problems. Yes. And I think that people forget that. And mm -hmm. I think if you look at all the species on this planet, elephants, dogs, cats, birds, elephants uh, eat 17 hours a day. Mm -hmm. They poop. And they sleep for six hours and once in a while they have sex. There's no way after thousands of years, we know elephants are out there getting any better. Matter of fact, most elephants die of starvation because their teeth are so worn down from eating so much. They only get two sets of teeth and they die of malnutrition and starvation. They don't die of old age. And they haven't been able to adjust to figure out how to do that so that they don't die prematurely. Uh, you're never going to wake up in the morning. Your dog have read the paper, walked itself, fed itself, and is hanging out. A goldfish is doing all kinds of backflips and different breaststrokes in the water. None of these species can improve other than a human being. The human being is the only species on the entire planet that can adjust, get better, and help each other. What an unbelievable opportunity. So you think for one minute, I'm going to let process halt because all of a sudden I have some success. 
first of all, if you don't improve your process, I call it pop. Progress on process. You must pop every day. You must progress on process. And if you're not popping every day, then you're rusting. Mm. You're just going to rust. And you're going to get ripe. And you're going to get just old and stale and bored and most importantly, miserable. Mm-hmm. So we got to remember the two reasons why you're here, forgetting about your family, forget about all the smart, obvious reasons. But if no other reason you're here to help each other and you're here to grow and get better and to figure out how to make this world better. And you should be concentrating on that every day. So if you figured out how to be extraordinary, you got your process to the level where you're so committed. You look at a guy like Kobe Bryant even. It's on my mind because I was watching uh, his wife's Hall of Fame speech. As great a basketball player as he was, and he was one of the greats, think about the power he had because of that greatness to have an effect on women's basketball, on being a dad, on entrepreneurism, uh, 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 showing opportunities for people of color that you can do not just dribble, but you can be an Oscar award winner. You could be an entrepreneur. You could, I mean, that's an amazing life. Mm-hmm. But it comes from having a process and a work ethic that's so committed mm-hmm. that goes far greater than just being successful and pretty good. Yes. How do you, what advice can you give to someone? What advice can you give to an entrepreneur that's out there, maybe watching or listening, um, that hasn't quite figured out that balance? I I can be myself included. Um, You know, I haven't quite figured out the balance of, you know, the work and then friends and then personal relationship and, you know, how you maneuver and then giving back and how you maneuver everything all in once. Um, how, How do you do that? How do you do it? How do you figure out the time and manage the time to be able to give to everyone, you know, in all ways, um, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in a great way. Well, first of all, I mean, you know, listen, you can't make everybody happy, but you know, the first, the most important thing in entrepreneurship is understanding these three quick components here. One, entrepreneurship is about leadership. It's about being able to absorb and deal with risk. And it's about understanding and really becoming the best at what you do. You can't really lead in an entrepreneurial way unless you're really, really uh, completely fully knowledgeable of what you're doing because that enables you also to see the white space when you're completely absorbed in what you're trying to do. So it may not be all that convenient uh, doing those three things, but especially where the rub is with risk. Mm-hmm. People have a hard time absorbing risk. Mm-hmm. The second thing is you got to turn up your volume on empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's not the answer you're probably thinking I'm going to give you, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. If you want to lead a higher level of entrepreneurship and be a better person, lead with empathy and compassion. And the reason is this, the definition of empathy, put yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. And what I tell a lot of entrepreneurs, because you're going into uncharted waters, get out of your head. Mm-hmm. Really stop, get outside your own head and start thinking what it's like to be in other people's shoes. First of all, from a general humanistic standpoint, you'll get along a lot better when you understand what other people are thinking, what they're feeling. And second of all, by leading yourself with more empathy, and empathy is, again, putting yourself in a common person's shoes, your level of common sense will increase. When your level of common sense increases, first of all, you understand the value proposition in your relationships, whether it be your boyfriend or girlfriend or the person you're trying to sell it to. Mm -hmm. Understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot easier to absorb in what you need to do to get yourself going and what you need to be successful. So if you want to have a higher level of entrepreneurism mm-hmm. and you want to figure out how to balance it out, 
get out of your head, mm -hmm. which is very difficult, especially with younger people. Just you're, you're in your own motion picture, thinking about yourself, your thoughts, 99% of the time. And start thinking about everyone else's thoughts and what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and what they're needing. And then take what you're doing and approach it accordingly. You'll see the white space. You'll see what's really needed. And it'll be more obvious. So turn up the volume on your empathy and compassion. And at the same time, the common sense aspect, which is, comes from the common good, will be increased. And then you start seeing clearly, like, I am so externally distracted. I, every day, feel is so many different things that have nothing to do with my business, but understand what people are thinking, going through, because mm -hmm. it has everything to do with my business. Yes. Right? Yeah. So like right now, everybody is overloaded. Everyone's feeling weird. Why? Because we're out of whack. Mm -hmm. We're now used to the abnormal. And we're we're not in we're not in we're not in day-to-day -day shape. We used to get up in the morning, you go to work, you used to the commute, you used to 50 different things coming at you then getting home, figuring out a shop, book dinner, everything. Now, all of a sudden, you've been home, and it was a different routine. Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, you got a different kind of workload on you. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, maybe the parents want to see you. And some friends who haven't seen you for months, now they want to see you. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you, everyone's feeling tremendous pressure and overload right now. And what I say is turn up the empathy, turn up compassion, communicate with people. And you have plenty of time to do all those things. And all those things will get put in order. When you get back into day-to-day, -day, regular, normal, everyday shape, lead with empathy, lead with compassion, turn the volume up on your common sense and get out of your head. Remember the two reasons why you're here, to help others and to make, and to get better and to make whatever's going on around you better and pop every day, progress on your process. You don't get better just working harder. You get better thinking about doing the things better that you need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. You don't get better by playing basketball every day. You get better by lifting weights, taking free throws, working on your dribbling, working on your core. That's how you get better. You don't get better just wanting to make more money. Don't chase the money. Chase yeah. the things that help you make the money. You get more successful in business by improving relationships, not just initiating and having them, but improving those relationships, yes. improving your products, Improving your customer service, not just talking about it, but putting things in play that sometimes are painful, sometimes that hurt your bottom line, but it also helps your brand. Most people talk the talk, but then when it comes to doing what is really necessary, I guarantee you're feeling a little overwhelmed and I've only known you for a little while now, but wake up an hour earlier. Who said you have to go to bed at 11 and wake up at 7? Go to bed at 10 and wake up at 6. And take an hour to organize yourself a little better. It's unbelievable. And, you know, you got it, the, life is a series of compromises and adjustments. I think that's been the key to my process is that I'm not, I don't get so stuck on some of the things that I know that are important. Sometimes I compromise them and I make the adjustments. That's great. Well, I went on a little rant there. I'm sorry. I love the rants because it, it, in the rants, I learn. The audience learns. You learn more right. in the rants. Believe me, you do. Um, so, so that was great. I know that you're an expert commentator on um, CNBC. You're on CNN. You're on MSNBC. On ESPN. Um, in the sports world, how has sports changed um, in the midst of COVID? Would you say? And then, what would you say the business of the sports world has been like 
um, right now, the politics of it, uh, if you can speak on it, as different areas are beginning to open up, what does that look like for you, would you say, for sports right now? Well, first of all, I give I give the teams and players a lot of props. I mean, I think it's really courageous and generous what they did for us in the last year and a half to go out. I mean, I, I know people that didn't want to leave their houses. And granted, they make a lot of money, but, you know, they put themselves in arm's way to entertain us at a time when we, we really needed it. I mean, you couldn't even put TV shows together, movies stopped, shows stopped, but the sports kept going. And for me, it was a blessing. And I give the players and coaches a lot of credit. You ever play in a field with no fans? Your family's not allowed to travel. You're at risk. So I, I think, you know, it really says a lot to me about the importance of sports. And I know people always talk about all the money these guys make and these women make and everything, but I really give them a lot of props. I think right now sports is booming. I mean, sports is still bigger and better than it's ever been. Uh, there's a whole bunch of parts of it that's really growing leaps and bounds, especially on the media end of things. The gambling thing worries me. You know, gambling's been a huge boost uh, with sponsorships and it's become a big part of sports. I'm worried. It's another area where we're going to be addicted. And we're, I mean, all of a sudden you're watching a game and there's all kinds of betting and prop bets going on before the game, during the game. And I see younger kids and high school and college kids getting way into it. And that's now become part of the game. Like when I was younger, it was drinking a lot of beer was part of the game. And we see what happened there. Uh, we have enough people going out that have alcohol problems and drug problems. I'm worried about ultimately the gambling problems because at the end, you know, who wins and it's usually not the consumer. I think, you know, there's NFTs that are happening. that are really exciting. that are a digital experience along with possibly a physical experience. Well, we'll see. It's definitely a big talk around the sports business. There's a lot of proprietary assets going on with all the leagues, teams and players and everybody's trying to figure it out. Uh, we launched our NFT in a couple of weeks at collectible exchange and, we're going to go into it nice and slow and really try to do some good quality work. I think people see these millions of dollar deals and they think that everybody's easy peasy, but it's, this is extremely complicated business, uh, very risky. And I'm not really sure where it's going to be honest with you. Um, I think the sports world is in pretty good shape and I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. I'm worried about the Olympics. Uh, anytime you're trying to get the whole world together right now, given everything that's gone on. Remember, we're way ahead of their other countries. Mm -hmm. I think it's a dangerous proposition, and I'm nervous about what kind of affects a bad Olympics or certain countries not showing or all the different bad things that are coming up between a lot of countries not getting along with each other. So we'll see what happens, or maybe it can end up being a good thing. But the sports business is a really good, solid business. I'm very grateful to have gotten into it 35 years ago and really studied it and not just taking it like it was a hobby, but took the business really seriously before the sports thing became a business. So, um, you know, I'm, I pinched myself, man. I've just been really fortunate to have so many different uh, relationships with so many players and teams and leagues and been able to capitalize it and make a living too. Absolutely. Um, Steiner Sports Agency, I know you you were the founder and CEO of the agency. I'm, I have a sports agency, too. I know the demands that can go along with running an agency um, with athletes and speaking engagements and so forth. Can you touch on your on, on the agency itself and would you kind of in. What would you say is your, or, or, or was your specialty, or, or what is the one word, if you had to wrap it up in one word, um, what would you, how would you describe your agency? 
Well, I mean, you know, the agency is funny. That's the first thing I did when I started uh, my old company, Steiner, which I'm not involved with anymore. But Steiner was a marketing and PR firm where I helped companies use athletes to grow their business. And I was doing it in such an untraditional way. I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, that wasn't necessarily a very popular, it was very entrepreneurial, my approach. So I would work for the companies and help them find athletes that matched up. It's kind of a little bit of a lost art now because a lot of the athletes that are picked and chosen to work with are just athletes that have big social media followings mm-hmm. or have big names. And I, I'm really more of a fan of finding somebody that has the right fabric, that mm-hmm. has the right fit, that has a real interest in the brand. And, and a lot of times it's really just for the pop. It's just for a PR or a little bit of a sizzle to bring some attention to the brand. And I think a lot of brands play it it's short and they're not really strategic enough when they're hiring talent. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a talent guy. So, you know, I've worked with any and just about every player you can imagine. And now I have the beautiful uh, blessing of work with a lot of women athletes that I'm really excited about and seeing about going on a journey with them. Because I think that they're extremely undervalued. I think there's some incredible woman talent out there that deserve much more props. Uh, and I, I think that it'd be really healthy in our country to give them those props and for us to respect some of their talents and extraordinary, uh, you know, athleticism. So, you know, the, the Steiner agency, it's, it's just a marketing company. I, I do a bunch of matching up athletes with companies for PR marketing, speaking engagement, stuff like that. I've been doing it for 30 plus years. The companies that use me that I've been working with for years and years and years know about the strategies and what I want to put in. And there are companies now that don't really care. They just, they need a player, you know, X amount of years in the league or a particular sport or a particular type of uh, personality. And they want to use them. They'll pay them a bunch of money and they want to move on. I'm not really the company for them. Uh, The collectible exchange is like a form of eBay, which I now have a hundred thousand items on collectible exchange where you can buy and sell your collectibles in a really dignified, authentic, safe place. And then Athlete Direct is like an Amazon. It's part of our collectible exchange. It's an Amazon where players can sell stuff direct to consumer. We have like uh, 50 athletes with another 50 that should be going up this month. So by the end of June, we'll have 100 athlete websites on Athlete Direct that you can go to a player and buy something directly from a Sue Bird or from a Mark Messier or a Marianne Rivera, that kind of thing. Pretty cool. That is awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about both of those platforms? Um, I mean, collectible exchange, I think the real get there is that, you know, I can work with Mark Messier on a water product or Mariano on this snack bar, these healthy snack bars. Um, All the players have an interest in doing something, but wanting to do something and then doing it again, process. So what I offer the players is a pad, a pad, a platform and audience and distribution. So I'm like their partner. So as they get into different things, like a hockey player today, his name is Mike Richter. He has this uh, syrup, maple syrup, Mike's maple syrup. Mm-hmm. And he's calling it the hat trick, a hockey guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to actually get behind and we're going to put the syrup on the platform and help distribute it. I'm really excited about Athlete Direct because there are thousands of players that never get an opportunity to have a platform. You know, we're not talking about the LeBron James and the Michael Jordans who get a platform 24-7 and then twice on Sunday. Yeah. But there's so many great athletes, especially now with the potential college athletes that will have stuff that they want to take advantage of with name and likeness, their autograph, licensed products, game-used products, that now be able to come onto the site in a safe environment. The collectible exchange, this one thing I want to mention, is like 
I mean, I've produced over 35 million autographs in my career. I, I put a lot of product out there and there's a lot of collectors out there that have been extremely supportive, mm-hmm. but a lot of them now are older. They want to sell their stuff. So creating a place like Collectible Exchange, that's a really focused environment for people to be able to sell their stuff. I suppose the only real good environment you could do that on is eBay. Yeah. And I don't really see that as a justifiable solution in this particular category. It's a great mm-hmm. site. When you think about it, it's one of the biggest in the world, but not for collectibles. So I saw an opportunity and that's what I'm doing right now. It's some of my collection because my wife's like, you got to sell your stuff. You have too much stuff in this house. You got to yeah. get rid of it. And <laughs> I, I realized it. I'm just like every other 60 year old, man. We're all yeah. sitting with way too much stuff, trying to downsize a little bit. And yet there's no real place to do it. So you go to Collectible Exchange and it really does solve a problem. We help you authenticate and organize your collection and then convert it into money. Hopefully well, that explains it. I love it. So if you're an athlete out there and you are looking to um, make some additional money right now, or looking for an endorsement, they're looking to get on board with you, what should they do or how can they go about doing that? Literally, you know, you go to my LinkedIn page, follow me, or you actually go to the site and there's an application or you, you can apply to, you know, to get your to get yourself onto the site. It's not really difficult at all. And then we'll go through the instructions. We show you how to do it, uh, especially we've dummied this down assuming that there's gonna be some college kids coming around the corner so we want to make things really simple and i'm in the middle of doing a bunch of master classes with a company called open door to really explain how you could take advantage of your name and likeness my biggest concern with the college kids now they're going to get their rights it's going to be a big game changer you talk about the state of college athletics is what are you going to do you know i mean what's allowed how do you do it so i'm doing a bunch of master classes that are going to teach the kids how to do it Oh, I love it. I love it because they need it. They really need it. I mean, honestly, I I haven't been in the business as long as you, but I've been in the business for 13 13 years. And all the athletes that I I work with and have worked with, they they need the education. So um, we all need education. So I I think this is beautiful what you're doing. Um, I want to end this episode with um, with a segment that I'm calling Tell and Tell, which is a play on the words show and tell. What can you tell the audience about yourself um, that no one knows about you, a secret, if you will? Well, two things. One, I love Oprah Winfrey. It's one of my role models. Okay. Never met her, but I mean, I, I love Oprah. I've, I, I should be put in jail with everything I've stolen from her. I mean, <laughs> she's just been an incredible role model for me. In, in, in learning how to teach, using your the using the success you have and putting it to use, uh, and, and also learning a little more about the spiritual part of life and the soul, and, and, and really being more of a complete person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what she's done on TV, I've watched her show for 25 years, and now Super Soul Sunday for another 10. Um, and love the Imagine Dragons, my favorite band. And listen, you know, there's nobody more important than my wife. You know, she's the, my best friend and she's everything. So I know people look at me. I've had a great, lot of relationships with a lot of big name players and this and that. But none of them trump the importance of my wife. And, and I know a lot of guys say that, but I mean that. Yes, I love that. 
I love that. And just one little thing. Can you give a little piece of advice to someone who may be out there right now um, and may just need a little bit of a little inspiration to just get going, um, may, may want to start a business and may not know where to start or how to start or how to get going and may not have the entrepreneurship mindset that you have, but hear this podcast and get and, and you know, they, they want to get going, but not know how to do it. What can you say? To well, them? two things. Take action over it. Take action over anxiety. There's no sense sitting around stressing over what you want to do. Take action. You know, if it's going, cleaning up your room or just putting a little business plan together, you know, start off with the small stuff. Rome wasn't built in the day, but they were working on it every day. And then the other thing is that it's, you know, listen, when I came out of school, I've been working for over 10 years. There's nobody more of a serial entrepreneur than me right from the get go. Mm -hmm. My mother's like, there's no way you're starting your own business right now. You go work for some people, you go work for the best quality companies you can get a job for and you learn how business gets done. And when you learn how people get hired, fired, how to hold yourself in a meeting, how you can, all the little things you need to do, you do that on someone else's dime. And then when you learn how to do that, then you can take an idea and execute. Remember, execution beats strategy for breakfast. And by working for other people, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's not a bad thing. You know, you can go work for some really good companies and you can really learn a lot from those companies and you can always get into the entrepreneur state. But to go into complete entrepreneurship without the experience in the industry, the business you want to go in is very, very dangerous. And there's nothing wrong with going to work for some really good companies, whether you're in the mail room or whatever you're doing, just learning how day-to-day -day business execution gets done. Because just having a really good idea does not get you to the big dance. Absolutely. You have to execute. You have to execute. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you'll have me back. I will uh, have you back. Up. You have to come back. You know, I'm always, listen, I'm always ready to go. And, and I'm hoping that this conversation was helpful to you know, some of the people listening because um, I love, love, love entrepreneurship. And in this country, we can't, not, I mean, we need to push entrepreneurship 100% with big businesses being so dominant now. Mm -hmm. You know, we're starting to lose a grip on entrepreneurship and small business in this country, which is one of the reasons why I love doing these podcasts and having this conversation with you, because I hope I can inspire some younger people or people that are thinking about it to do it mm -hmm. because entrepreneurship is what this country is all about. Yes. And we need more of it. And there's more and more big companies taking over and pushing entrepreneurship and small business to the side. And we need to actually level that out. I have no problem with big business. I just don't want to see it at the expense where we're not entrepreneurial and we're not focused on supporting small business. Absolutely. I mean, small business, it's just the heart of the country. It really is. Thanks. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, thank you. And send me your address. I want to you know, the, my book's free on Collectible Exchange. If you go there, you can get it for free. Just pay for shipping. And will you please send me your address offline and I'll send you some copies of my books. Absolutely, I will. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Stay okay. safe. You too. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this edition of The Journey Told Show. I'm going to leave you guys with words that my father so often said to me, and that's to be the best you that you can be. Let that sizzle in your spirit. Until next time, folks. You're listening to 
Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. 